Ephesians 3 and 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Amen. Is that a good verse? We don't come to church for our glory. We come to church for his glory. Everything we do around the church is not for us. It should be for his glory. Amen. And so that's our theme this year. And if you see any signs that says glory on it, that might be what they're pointing to, that we want God to receive the glory uh, from our church this year. I think we ought to start with our attitude. I think the Lord needs to get glory from our attitude, don't you? Do you think maybe it's possible some of you have been rubbed the wrong way by somebody this last year? Could I give you a solution? Now listen, this is good. Billy Sunday was a great baseball player, professional baseball player, surrendered to preach, and was a tremendous evangelist across the country. He said, I'm accused of rubbing the cat the wrong way. He said, all that needs to happen is the cat just needs to turn around. So if you huffed up at somebody, get over it. Because they probably don't even know you're huffed. And you can't sleep a bit at night. So I think maybe it would be good to honor God this next year with our attitude, don't you? Just give him the glory. Let me read something to you. Last week, I talked to you about stewardship, living beyond our limits. You got to be careful now. A lot of folk do that with their credit cards. That's not what I'm talking about. Living without limits is believing that God is able to take our limits and do something in an unlimited way. For instance, in the book of Matthew, a man, a couple of men came to Jesus that were blind. They were limited to where they could go, what they could do, what they could see. They were blind. And Jesus looked at them and said, be it unto you according to your faith. Next verse said, and their eyes were opened. Living without limits is allowing God to take our limits and do something in an unlimited way. It's starting to church on your front yard 30-some years ago, so broke you'd need a cosigner to pay cash. No income. No prospects of income. No place to preach. But God called me to preach. I thought my porch would be a good place to do it since there wasn't any place else. And I preached. And we took an offering that night. We got $100. 
special offering to take. We're going to need chairs since we're going to start a church. And God took that $100 and turned it into a million and a half dollars this year. And God took those 10 people, turned it into a church that is now known worldwide. It has worldwide ministries. God took a guy who couldn't spell valedictorian and used a limited individual in an unlimited way. Stewardship is living without limits. What is it that your God cannot do? Or is it that your God cannot go? What mountain can your God cannot move? What fire can your God not quench? What valley he cannot ford and what river can he not cross? That was last week. (laughs) Somebody said, you spend much more time, you ain't going to have no this week. Stewardship is not only living beyond limits, stewardship is responsibility. Every time we talk about stewardship, we start thinking money. No, stewardship is life. Stewardship is what you do with what you are and who you are. It also encompasses what you have, but stewardship is much, much more than just money. If all I have is money, all I am is a rich fool. I'll rather have your friendship as money, as long as you have money. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Somebody said, you can't take it with you, but it's the only place you can go without it. You'll get that after a while. Some of you need to stand up. It went over your head, all right? Now, let's have fun. Don't get all tight-jawed and say, well, he's talking about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about Stewardship. January at Joshua Baptist Church for 30 some years has been stewardship. If you showed up today, you should not be surprised. I'm going to talk about stewardship. And you say, preacher, are you talking to my neighbor? If I'm in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. (laughs) Amen. Let me read for you. 1 Timothy 6. I read two verses. Verse 17 and 18. And then for a bonus, I'm going to read 19. Me too. That's the reason we didn't shake hands right there. (laughs) Charge them, Paul said. Charge them that are rich in this world. Would you look this way just a minute? In reference to the rest of the world, we're rich. We throw away more food than most folk have. We spend more money on our animals 
than most folk in the rest of the world spend on their family. We make more in a day than most folk in the rest of the world make in a month. From God's perspective today, I believe we're rich. And from the rest of the world's perspective today, I would probably say that we're rich. So Paul told Timothy, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded or arrogant or proud or self-made. Charge them that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. I believe today that a changed life requires new priorities. Fifty-some years ago, I got gloriously born again. There wasn't anything on me that did not get saved. My hair got saved. My toenails got saved. Everything about me got regenerated, made new. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. I became instantaneously a new creature in Christ. New creatures need new priorities. Without new priorities, you're a new creature living in the same hog pen. If you're going to stay in the hog pen, you don't need any new priorities. But if you're moving out of the hog pen, it behooves you to leave the nastiness of the hog pen and take on new priorities. We all live with priorities. I don't know if you realize that or not. Now the Super Bowl's coming up. I doubt if I'll watch it. Lady is attending the Super Bowl, sitting in her place beside a vacant seat. A fellow behind her said, Say, ma'am, whose seat is that? She said, That's my husband's seat. 
he passed away, she said. He said to her, well, ma'am, don't you have another relative or a friend who would like to sit in that seat? She said, no, they all choose to go to the funeral. (laughs) We all, (laughs) do we not? We all live with priorities. Would it behoove you to allow me to turn to the book of Haggai? I'm not going to ask you to turn there. might be hard to find. And I'm going to read for you an admonishment for our Lord in Haggai chapter number 1 and verse 3. Listen, please. Listen. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lay waste. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, you clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. Go up into the mountain and bring wood and build a house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. He said, ye look for much. And lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of my house lay waste and ye run every man to his own house. Consider your ways. Seem like all we do is work. Some of us work three jobs, just try to make ends meet. And the ends look like they're running in both directions. Maxed out on our credit cards, but we're living the high life. And when you do bring something home finally, your car breaks down, your plumbing stops up, or a kid acts up. Consider your ways. That's what he said. The Bible is a book of priorities. Do you know that, don't you? If you notice back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you notice something, Paul says this, that we're either trusting in uncertain riches or we're trusting in the living God. 
either our priorities is in this world or in the world to come. Notice, if you would please, we got this thing all mixed up. Notice the latter part of verse number 17. But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to do what? Do you think maybe we have passed from enjoyment to worship? Do you think maybe we've stopped enjoying things and made things our God? Uh, do you think maybe we've uh, jumped over this thing of realizing where junk comes from and we've become little junkies? Don't you mess with my junk. I got my junk locked up. I got keys and I'll guarantee I got it locked up. You don't mess with my junk. We live with priorities and we must be extremely cautious. If we're not careful, we'll pass over the enjoyment part and begin to worship these things. A pilot came over the intercom on an airplane and said, ladies and gentlemen, I have some good news, some bad news. The bad news is that the instrument panel on the airplane is completely out. There's no power to it, so I can't tell you where we are. I can't tell you where I'm going. But I've got great news. We're making great time. <laughs> kind of reminds you of your family, is it? Don't know where you are, don't know where you're going, but you're making great time. Priorities determines where we are. Priorities determine where we're going. Priorities determine how we're going to get there. And it's wise to examine where we are in life. I'm 78. Feel like I'm 98. Living like I'm 38. Wish my wife thought I was 28. <laughs> but the hardest thing to do is to come face to face with where you are in life. Where are you going? And your priorities will determine where you are. Where are you going? How are you going to get there? Could I ask you a question? Is there a difference in God's priorities for your life and your life goal? Have you even asked this week, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to do it? How do you want me to do that? Or somebody else arranging your priorities for you. Will the road you're on lead to heaven or will it lead to hell? One of these days when we pass off and we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to either hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant, or depart from me, thy wicked and slothful servant. And our priorities will determine what we hear from the voice of our Lord when we stand before him.
Amen. I thought this would be better than this. I thought people would be shouting, saying amen, running around, saying dados. Stewardship is not money. Stewardship is priorities. Stewardship is not money. Stewardship is living beyond our limitations and living by faith in a God that can move mountains and raise the dead and heal the sick console the sorrowful and to help the helpless. We must get it right on this stewardship business. Stewardship is not about what you do with your money. Stewardship is about why you're doing what you're doing with your life. Let me ask you three questions. Let me give you three things I want to talk to you about I want you to consider today, just a moment, just consider today. You say, preacher, this is not one of them shouting, running, jumping kind of sermons. No, that was 20 years ago. My run and jump has left. Consider with me for just a moment the big difference in temporal and eternal priorities. Haggai described it this way. My house, your house. Haggai asked the people of God, where is your priority? Is that my house or your house? My house, God says, lie waste and your house has sealed ceilings. My house is being unkept and your house is being kept. Priorities. My house, your house. Amen. Thought I'd just throw that out there. Priorities is a mind thing. Notice it talked about being high-minded, arrogant or proud. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, you know the rest of it? So is he. Could I make a statement? Making a living is not making a life. There's a difference in making a living and making a life. Amen. Huh? Now, I could make a living bootlegging, but it wouldn't be a very good life if I got caught. I could make a living cheating and gambling and raising hell, but if I got caught, it wouldn't be a very good life. Making a living today is much different than making a life. I have six kids. And they've watched me now for 50 some years. I hope that they would say, my daddy wouldn't cheat you out of a dime. I wish they'd say, my daddy's honest and has integrity. I would rather my kids to say he's honest as he's rich. I would rather my kids say he's a man of integrity as a man of means. There's a lot of difference between making a living and making a life. Amen. Amen. Could I please show you? Look in your Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Just back up a few verses. And we'll look, if you would please, to verse 9. 
Watch this now. Now, I don't think it bothers God if we have money. I know a lot of folk who's made money honestly, hard work with integrity, loves God with all their heart, and I don't know what in the world we would do without those people. Now, I don't believe that you can be any closer to God driving a Cadillac or a Chevrolet. I learned a long time ago that God owns both assembly lines. And I'm sorry, I don't spend a lot of time praying for baloney. I'm not too good to eat it. I like it. But if I'm praying, I'm working higher on the calf than baloney. I'm specific, dear God, I want steak. Now, if God send me bologna, we'll fry it, put it between two pieces of bread and put some mustard on it and thank God for it and wait on the steak. Watch this. Please don't miss these verses. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and in a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness and faith, love, patience, and meekness. There's somebody It's more interesting in making a living than making a life. Notice, if you would please, temptation. Notice snare. Notice drowned. Kind of reminds you of trapping beaver, doesn't it? Instantly are. All you need to do is just throw a something down in the water to entice and tempt them, not knowing that around the bait are what they call snares and traps. And then they get their head in that snare. The snare does not choke them. The snare does not enable them to swim and they drown. How many ever bought something and said, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done? Do you think you're the first one that Kmart, Walmart, and the other merchandising agency in the world tempted? The 
the easiest person in the world to con is one who wants to get rich quick. You say, how you know that? How many folk bought lottery tickets? That's how many fools there are in this world. <laughs> You're welcome. He said, well, what if you won the lottery? That'd be the next miracle. What would you do with the money? Listen, spend it. Why do you think folk gamble? Because they like to gamble or they want to win? I don't invite goes to Las Vegas and says, ah, I'm going out there to lose 200,000. <laughs> I'm going to go out there riding on a plane, ride back on a bus. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's exactly what I'm going to do. No, sir. It's that get rich deal. Stock market. Nothing wrong with it. Kazoon type. Making a living is a lot different than making a life. And some of you young whippersnappers that have been around the barn three times said, that old man don't know what he's talking about. Listen, I've lost more money than you'll probably ever make the rest of your life. History records that on the Titanic, there were 11 millionaires. You knew that, I suppose. 11 millionaires on the Titanic as the Titanic was sinking. One of those millionaires was a fellow by the name of A.H. Putin. He left $300,000 worth of money, jewelry, and securities in his cabin. And he said the money seemed like a mockery at that time. So I picked up three oranges and got in a lifeboat. Where's your priorities? Haggai said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Many folks would be, temp- would be happy with temporary happiness. And have no thought at all for eternal joy. Hmm? You see, our priorities leads either to internal joy or external happiness. I, I think you know people who say, I just want to be happy. You ever seen about, I just want to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. That. I just... I just want to be happy. Don't you want to be happy? Did you know that happiness depends on chance? Yeah. Hap. H-A-P. Hap. It's the word we get happiness from. Chance. Happiness is an external emotion. Eternal joy is an inward 
expression of what God is doing in your life. Happy? Me and my wife are happy sometimes. Sometimes she ain't so happy. But I can go through the house and say, we're happy, happy, happy. We're happy, 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 happy. I don't change her mind a bit, but I'll tell you, she is tough. I'm talking about, I need to take karate lessons to protect myself. So let me ask your priorities determine whether you have internal joy or temporary external happiness. Which would you rather have? Your priorities will determine whether you have that eternal joy that only God can give or happiness that comes your way by chance. Hmm? I need to close. You say, why? Because it looks like you've had enough of this. Let me give you three priorities, okay? Three measurable. This is how I live. Measurable priorities so that one day when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and nobody's there but me, nobody's being judged but me, nobody's giving an account but me, Ginger can't talk for me. Andrew can't talk for me. Sean would like to, but if he does, I'll slap him upside the cord. Just me and Jesus. Just you and Jesus. It's 12 o'clock, and I said at 12 o'clock, I was going to turn to Romans chapter number 14. Watch this. Romans chapter number 14. Please now, if you ever listen to an old man, listen to him right now. Romans 14 verse 10 says, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, Verse 11, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. It's Romans chapter 14, latter part of verse 10 through verse 12. So then every one of us shall give an account to God. And then... Add a little bit to that. I turned over to 1 Corinthians 3 and I read verse 12. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. For other foundation can no more no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood and stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be real, revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. 
If any man's work shall be burnt, he shall suffer lost, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. My life on this earth since I've been a Christian is made up of works, of gold and silver and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. When I appear before God and only I am there, all of my work, all I've done since I've been saved is thrown on the fire of God and the fire will reveal what sort of work that is. My attitude, if I'm mad and puffed up all the time, That'll be wood, hay, and stubble. And guess what fire does to that? If I come to church to be seen of men, wood and stubble. But that which is not burnable, gold and silver and precious jewels will be refined and come out of the fire and I will receive reward. In my life, there's three measurable things that's going to be manifest at that fire. Are you ready? Number one, my scheduling. Number two, my spending. Number three, my speech. Did I schedule God out of my life? Did I schedule wood, hay, and stubble over jewels and gold and precious things? How does your schedule look when it comes to God? Because your schedule reflects your priorities. And your priorities determines what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. Your scheduling, your spending. Let me tell you how you can tell who you love. Look at your checkbook. Ain't time to pray. God won't have to say, look at your checkbook. God is watching you give every day. He stood in the temple, did he not, and watched the elderly, watched the widow lady throw in her living. You see, I don't look at what you give, but I know somebody does. Her name is Ginger. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) amen. I said, amen. Somebody's going to count it. But I know somebody else. His name is Jesus. I don't tithe to impress you. I don't give to impress you. The biggest givers in our church do not give to impress you because you wouldn't know them if you fell over them. They do it because of priorities. A changed life necessitates changed priorities. Change priorities determines the life that 
my scheduling, my spending, and my speech. When I got saved, for a long time I couldn't order food. I'd have a Christian order food for me because I kind of mixed up the superlatives. You know what I'm talking about. Our speech ought to be that which honors the Lord. I read one time a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Now, it may be a small thing to you. It may be a weeny weeny thing to you. But to me, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, that's a big deal to me. And it ought to be a big deal to anybody who is born again. Priorities? Yeah. It was not long ago in the Mississippi Bayou a lady had come to the end of herself. Her life was in shambles. Seemed nobody cares. And one day she just got on the pier and run as hard as she could now off the end of the pew to end her life. Off the pier she went to end her life. Man standing by saw that. Without reservation, he jumped in the water to save her. He only forgot that he could not swim. He jumped in the water and went down twice and come up in the third time. The young lady who was going to end her life saw a need in her life. And she reached over and saved her Savior. A reporter asked her, why did she do that? She said, finally, I saw purpose in my life. What's the purpose? Because priorities will determine Amen. Charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded. Not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us all things to enjoy. Don't take for granted how good God's been to you. 